I don't care what anybody says, there is no good way to consistently judge fights in mixed martial arts. I'm not saying it's the judge's fault, I'm not saying it's the criteria, I'm saying it's impossible to watch a fight and everyone draw the same satisfactory conclusion about what the phrase effective means. There is no answer to this problem, but we can still have fun pointing it out, and that's what we're gonna do today. Let's look at some hilarious scorecards where it's like the judges weren't even in the same building. Guys, summer is officially here, isn't it, mate? You know what that means, sitting outside in the beer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Beer gardens, barbecues with your mates, all the good stuff. But it's also the perfect excuse to wear my favorite t-shirts and shorts from my favorite brand, True Classic. Everything they make is crafted to help you feel your best, especially in the summer. They've got breathable fabrics, the perfect fit, and prices that can't be beaten. And right now, they're giving our listeners 25% off. That's right. All you got to do is head to trueclassictees.com. Just use the code MMAONPOINT25 at checkout. Let's talk about them True Classic Tees. Okay, I'm wearing one right now. I love the way it feels, all right? They've got summer-ready colors, and they come in multi-packs, so you can have a shirt for every day of the week. And if you love the shirts, well, they've also got shorts as well. Whether you want something for the gym, the beach, a night out, there's two different lengths as well. There's 7.5 inches. 9.5 inches and they've been crafted with a four-way stretch you've got the flexibility to go from work to play without skipping a beat i always want to know i can throw roundhouses okay these shorts do not compromise that all the true classic clothing is designed to be versatile and work with your lifestyle so you can look and feel your best they're super committed to all these products okay they believe in them they have a 100 risk-free and return policy guarantee so if you're ready to upgrade your wardrobe and your look for summer just head to trueclassictees.com and use the code mma on point 25 at checkout you you can look your best, feel your best, and be your best with True Classic. All right, now that you're all dressed up, let's get into this thing. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point. A huge thank you to our biggest channel supporters and our Hall of Famers. And these are 10 times judges watched two completely different fights. Number 10, Raphion Stotts versus Danny Sabatello. If a wrestler has 29 minutes of control time in a 25 minute fight, but they never throw a punch nor attempt a submission, did they really win or control the fight? That is the question that had an answer when Stotts and Sabatello threw down in the Bellator Bantamweight Grand Prix semifinal. This fight had a ton of hype because there was all kinds of shit being talked by both parties leading up to it. The fight itself, though, would turn out to be pretty lackluster, with, as I mentioned, Danny earning a ton of control time with his superior wrestling. That said, though, Stotts wasn't on the ground the whole time, and when he wasn't, he was going to work, with the vast majority of everyone who watched giving him rounds 2, 3, and 5, which is incidentally how two of three judges saw it. Not most controversial judge in the history of judging Douglas Crosby, though, he gave every every single round to Sabatello. With a host of judging controversies around him at the time, Crosby took to social media to explain that effective grappling is not given enough weight usually, and that if it is equal to striking, then his scores make sense. Do with that what you will. Number 9. Darren Crookshank versus Eve Edwards Here is a perfect example of the subjectiveness of the word effective being a problem. Edwards and Crookshank was a fight put together on short notice for a fight night prelim, and I say fight, but it was more of a sparring session. Nothing significant happened 
the whole time, really. Now, when all things are equal, they're supposed to judge on aggression, right? And then if that's even on octagon control. If you got that far down, this would be three rounds for Edwards, no question, as he controlled the cage throughout the fight. But only Judge Terry Bulk saw it the same way as me, giving Eve all 10 nines all the way through. The other two judges, a complete flip-flop, 30-27 for Darren. To be fair, the media was split on this one. So again, the criteria is not broken, but this is a great example of how it can break down badly. Number eight, Marlon Marais versus John Dotson. All right, so here's one where everybody is a bit wrong in some way, even if most feel like they got the decision right overall. I guess that's why we have three judges. We should probably have 30. It was top 10 bantamweight action between the magician and one punch man, and it was pretty good. Lots of back and forth, very fast paced, like you would imagine a bout between Marais and Dotson. The consensus afterwards was that Marlon had done enough to win two of three. When the scorecards were read, though, a single judge gave every round to John and the other two every round to Marlon. The thing is, though, the first round only had one significant moment, and it was a knockdown by Dotson. So while those two judges got it right overall in the eyes of most, how the hell do you justify that first round? I personally scored it two to one for John before I even saw the scorecards, so maybe this one was just hard to read, but the judges were not on the same page at all here, and the ones that got it right also got it wrong. Number seven, Matt Sarah versus Chris Lytle. The results of this one had history-altering implications when you consider that because Matt Sarah won this fight, he won the comeback season of Tough and then went on to defeat George St. Pierre. So in an alternate universe, Chris Lytle took Michael Bisping's middleweight title after coming back from a four-year layoff. Anyway, as far as tough finales go, Griffin Bonner this was not. While competitive early, it was pretty much just Sarah smothering Lytle the rest of the way. Truly, the highlight of the entire fight was a weird octagon-shaped window that briefly showed Dana White's head. While you could argue effectiveness and fight metric at the time scored it for Lytle, that is not how two of three judges saw it. They gave every single round to the Terra. Judge Lester Griffin, though, saw the whole thing for lights out. Look, truly, the first probably should have gone to Lytle. That's about as much as I'm willing to give. But yeah, all three one way for lights out just does not make sense. Number six, Tim Bosch versus CB Dalloway. Man, what an all time cluster this one was. Tim Bosch was meant to fight Luke Rockhold on the night and would a bit later, but Rockman hurt his knee, and so Clarence Byron Dalloway was called up on short notice. This guy's a gangster. His real name is Clarence. The scrap was fun, it had a bit of everything in it, and it was competitive throughout. Probably would have earned fight of the night, if not for being on the same card as Gilbert Melendez versus Diego Sanchez. When the scores came out though, oh boy. Now, even though I said it was competitive, you can have competitive rounds that are clearly one way, and absolutely all three should have gone to CB. Shockingly though, two of the three judges gave it to Bosch, 30-26. Which isn't as bad as it sounds, since the 10-8 was for a point deduction, but still, what the hell? The one dissenting judge, Gino Garcia, gave all three rounds to Dalloway, with the third being considered a draw, of course, because of the eye poke. Only one media member on MMA Decisions scored this one for Bosch. The rest of us were just scratching our heads. Number five, Ross Pearson versus Stevie Ray. One of the worst decisions in UFC history went against Ross Pearson when he was wrongly defeated by Diego Sanchez on the cards. And apparently, Judge Andreas Gruner was looking to give the real deal an unwarranted decision win of his own to make up for it. 
it. I kid, of course, but how the hell he saw all three rounds of this one for Ross against Stevie Ray is beyond me. Don't get me wrong, this fight isn't going into the Hall of Fame, but there was enough action to pretty clearly show that the man who makes up one half of the Harlem Heat was the winner of this one in all three rounds, which the other two judges agreed on, as did the majority of media. I truly do not know, based on the criteria, what you could say that warranted a 30-27 for Pearson, but that is exactly what Gruner gave him. Weird stuff on this one, not one that I would recommend watching back, but if you do, it is really confusing how he got those scores. Number 4. Darren Elkins versus Lucas Martins Okay, I have to start this entry out by mentioning that on commentary, Goldie said that Darren Elkins lied about his age to start wrestling at 4 years old, and then implied that he passed for a 12-year-old. Started wrestling, Brian, at age 4. He lied about his age. No, I'm 12. God damn it, I missed that man. All right, so this bout was in 2014. That was when the damage was pre-damage tattoo. It went down in Rio. Lucas Martins was the opponent. And honestly, it was classic Elkins smothering. The vast majority of everyone, including most media and two of three judges, saw this one three rounds to zip for Darren as he relentlessly went for takedowns unsuccessfully. Not Judge Vinicius Lenz, though. He had Lucas all the way every single round. You might argue that he was so in tuned to the criteria that he felt the only effective action in the entire fight was the strikes landed by Martins, or he is so far removed from the scoring that he has no idea what's going on. The fact that it could be either of those things, though, says a lot about MMA scoring. Number 3. Rafael Dos Anjos versus Paul Felder Panduski UFC was wild times, and one of the weirder things that happened was Paul Felder versus Rafael Dos Anjos at the Apex. Islam Mahachev was meant to fight RDA, but he got a staph infection and had to be pulled from the fight on five days' notice. While mustachioed commentator Paul was still ranked number 7 in the division at the time, it looked like he was probably nearing the last walk to the octagon, and nobody was sure when he would decide to do that final bout. So in front of zero fans with no time to prep, he fought his last ever fight. That wasn't entirely true though, he did have one fan there that night, and his name was Judge Chris Lee. If you wanted to make an argument that Felder won the fourth round of this fight, you would probably be wrong, but it wouldn't be egregiously wrong. Every other round, you'd be insane to say that RDA deserved less than 10 points. The former champ busted Paul up, he controlled him the majority of the fight's runtime. Felder is always game, of course, but it was clearly Dos Anjos' night. When the scores were read, though, there were two 50-45s for RDA, and then somehow, Chris Lee gave it to Paul 48-47. Yeah, whoever that judge was, I suggest he goes take a good long look in the mirror and maybe find another job. It honestly kind of lended a little levity to the moment, because you felt bad for Felder, it was his last fight, and then out of nowhere, he gets a winning scorecard. To be fair to Lee, maybe he mixed up who was on which side of the piece of paper he was writing his scores on or something. I have filled out plenty of forms wrong in my life, and I know I wouldn't admit that afterwards. I would say that Paul Felder won. Hell yeah. Number two, Jamie Varner versus Melvin Gillard. This one is one of those entries where I wish so badly we could talk to the judges afterwards and have them explain why they scored what they scored, because what on earth? Varner and Gillard were meant to fight on a tough finale, but Jamie got sick the day of the fight, so it got rescheduled for UFC 155. This was not a competitive bout. The only round you could maybe give to Gillard was the second if you were very generous, probably too generous. Let me put it like this, when the fight got back to standing at the last seconds, Rogan on commentary said that Melvin needs to go for broke to try to get a stop because, of course, he lost on the cards. Not according to Adelaide Bird. While the other two judges gave Varner all three rounds, Bird 
somehow saw this fight entirely the other way. Truly, words do not do this one justice. Go back and watch this and you will be dumbfounded by what I just said. Rogan mentioned after the fight that Bird should never judge again. Spoiler alert, she does all the time still. Number one, Marlon Vera versus Corey Sandhagen. The look on Corey Sandhagen's face when Bruce Buffer reads the first score and it is for Vera is all you need to know about this entry. Not only is this number one because it's just baffling, but it happened in a huge top five bantamweight main event with title implications, which lends it a lot more weight than like a bout on the prelims. This was from horn to horn the Sandman's night. Just all around every round he was looking sharp. If there was going to be a debate after this fight, it was only did Cheeto manage to get round three. But otherwise, if you called it 50-45 and almost everyone did, there would be very little controversy. This was not a fight that anybody was anticipating a split decision on. You don't even need to know the rules of MMA to realize that Corey won this fight. And 50-45 was the score rendered by Saul Diamato. Chris Lee only gave Vera the third round in question. Then there was regional referee and only two times ever, including this time in a big time promotion, Judge Joel Ojeda. He gave Vera round three as well. And round four. And round five. Somehow. How controversial was this scorecard? You legit had dudes calling for the FBI to get involved. If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. I don't know how that applies here, but yeah, the Texas commission just never fails to fail. I was actually surprised at how much fun I had going back and watching these fights. For some reason, knowing the outcome and knowing that one of the judges just completely botched it, I don't know, it was a lot of fun. You should actually go back and watch some of these, seriously. I'm sure the video's editor, Luke Taylor, enjoyed it as well. Please follow him on all his socials. The man truly does amazing work. But wait, there's more. Max also helped edit this one. That's right, they super teamed it up. So please be sure to show him all the love as well, because he too does amazing work, as do our channel champions. Massive support from them. We cannot thank them enough. And hey, if you want to be a member as well, just hit that little join button. We have these live stream writer meetings. You can tell us entries or even list ideas. It's seriously a bunch of fun. No pressure at all, though. Liking and subscribing is always super appreciated as well. Let me know in the comments any other scores that really had you head scratching, and I will catch you on the flip side. Thanks, guys.